humans, welcome back to the Sydney Hollis Show. This is your early in the week cast. Earliest you can hear this is Tuesday, October 18th. Humans, I'm coming off a wild weekend. Still haven't recovered from Saturday night. And let me tell you, it's been a while. You know, I'm recording this on a Monday, the day before you can hear it. It's been a while since Saturday festivities resonated with me into a Monday. But that's what kind of day it was. More about that in a minute. We're going to talk. Well, we got uh, we got a double bird submitted to the listener line. You know we're obsessed with double birds around here. And you know we're going to talk about a topic. A topic that I'm thinking about today and yesterday. <laughs> the topic is... Detention. Now, I've not put myself in detention, but I was kind of sitting around in the afternoon, feeling trapped. It's a little cloudy overcast here in New York. And uh, again, still feeling a little uh, of the effects from a wild Saturday evening. You know, it felt like I was in detention a little bit. And well, as someone who spent some time in detention, thought, why don't we, uh, why don't we crack open that topic? And, of course, give you guys a chance to tell me what you think. As always, any contribution you'd like to make, listener line at sydneyhollishow.com. So why was the weekend wild? Well, humans, our last episode, I interviewed old college pal of mine, Jeff Yarbrough, and he was talking about the Tennessee Volunteers, my favorite football team, college football, and uh, also my alma mater. I went to University of Tennessee, as did he. And, uh, you know, no one wants to hear stories about so-and-so's favorite team because we all have our favorite teams. I get that. Not really going to dwell on that too hard. But we did discuss in the show. Jeff's like, hey, man, I've been getting out. I've been watching some live sports and it feels good. You know, there's the comfort of the couch, all the guarantees that come along with watching a game in your house, in your living room. But he said, I've been having a good time getting out. And I said to him, you know... Tennessee's about to play Alabama this weekend. And I've been on the fence as to whether I want to watch at home. Controlled environment. Guaranteed seat. Cheap drinks. No line for the bathroom. You're guaranteed not to sit next to anyone annoying or lame. That kind of thing. But you know, talking to Jeff got me fired up. And I thought this will be the biggest game Tennessee's played in a very long time. Going into the weekend, we were number six. Alabama number three, both teams undefeated, historic rivals. You get it. And, uh, well, it was a wild time. It was a wild time. I think I made the right choice, you know. I dared to go in public. I dared to be vulnerable enough to say, Sid, you're going to go. There's a lot of factors that you can't control. But you know what? Put yourself out there. Have a good time. And that I did. And that I did. Had reservations. Got there an hour <laughs> an hour before the reservations. Game win in Tennessee's favor in dramatic fashion. You know, as the clock ticked to zero, they kicked the game-winning field goal. The place went berserk, but it was fun. The whole time. You know, the crowd was charged up again. Maybe a moment in time. Biggest game the team has played in a while, so the fans that showed up, you know, were excited. Obviously, 
Obviously, some of us are still sticking our toe back into the pond uh, in different ways from COVID. Uh, and not just COVID, you know. Last year, I wasn't working a whole lot, so I didn't go out spending a ton of money. And, you know, there was also the various waves of COVID. So this was uh, this was a huge gathering of people, rowdy, hadn't had a good reason to get together as uh, as uh, collective fans in a while to be really excited about uh, a season. And boy... It was a wild time. I was singing our fight song at the top of my lungs. Rocky Top, that is. I was chanting. I was booing, you know, just booing players, you know, a thousand miles away on a screen. Booing coaches. Uh, You know, my voice still sounds and feels a little hoarse. It's a little, there's still still some discomfort on the cords, but high-fiving strangers, uh, you know, no one annoying around me, really. And uh, the game, of course, ended in dramatic fashion. The fans rushed the field there in Knoxville. And for whatever reason, there's a big cigar component to this game. I guess it's an old thing that the winning teams would smoke cigars after the game. And in the age of social media and stuff, it's certainly uh, spread to the fans. Now, I I don't remember that having been a thing when I was there, and we were regularly beating Alabama back then. Uh, So maybe, yeah, I don't know. I don't know when this picked its head up and became more of a thing for the fan base, but walked outside after the game. People were smoking cigars outside. Went to the closest smoke shop. That guy sent me to another smoke shop. Bought a high-end $25 cigar. Walked back over to uh, to the tavern and uh, had some puffs with some, you know, with some strangers, some other fellow fans, and it was a good time. So I'm glad I went into public. Thank you, Jeff. And yeah, I think if I would have watched that game from home, I may have wished I was out. Uh, but I'll probably watch the next couple from home. <laughs> and humans don't get it twisted. It's not like I don't like going out in public, but some things... Some things, you know, you just want them to be great. Like, that's something that I just really want to really have a grasp on. And a few of the unknowns were making me uneasy. But I pushed through and had a great time because of it. And fun little side note. So the place where the Tennessee fans get together in New York City to watch games, the official, you know, fan bar, the official alumni bar, uh, is very near Times Square. And as you all know by now, Cannabis is legal in the state of New York. Recreational cannabis is legal in the state of New York. However, they have yet to give out any licenses to sell it. So it's just legal to have it. It's legal to smoke it um, in public. But it's not legal to sell it yet. And so uh, it's interesting walking through Times Square these days because you'll see guys with like little dinner trays. You know, the kind of trays that you eat a TV dinner on. It'll be sitting in front of a dinner tray and have like 20 rolled joints sitting on it and be like rolling one. And they'll have a couple other folks around and you'll see this one after another, one after another. Well, after the game was walking back to the train after my cigar and saw these two dudes sprinting. But when you see people sprinting, you know, not on a track, not on a field and in casual clothes, not like athletic clothes. You know, your brain tells you a crime has been committed in some way. 
And I was like, oh, I wonder what that was. Was it a purse snatching? Uh, were they just in a fight? Were they just getting chased? Were they just, or, or you know, innocently, sometimes you play a trick on some buddies and you want to sprint away from them before they can get to you. My mind went to all those places. And then I went walking by the area where all the joints were. And all those trays, TV trays, were like tipped over. Uh, and the chairs were tipped over. So I'm guessing the and there were cops picking up all the joints off the ground. So I'm guessing there was a mini, uh, I wouldn't call it a raid, but uh, there was some kind of a, you know, the cops showed up and it was time to roll out. And uh, so I, I caught sight of the escape, wouldn't you know. Now, to go hand in hand with having such a great Saturday night, I mean, I was really living outside of myself, jumping up from the table, screaming, you know, like everyone around me. I mean, some of the most berserk I've been at an establishment in quite some time. And uh, I think all that elation, just living life on a tightrope of just screaming and then holding in tight and then releasing. I mean, just, it was emotionally exhausting. But you don't realize it in the moment. I mean, you somewhat do. I kept making a joke. I'm going to need a drink after this, you know, despite, uh, despite putting a few back <laughs> while I was at the bar for a few hours. But it's the next day, Sunday afternoon. It was, uh, you know... <laughs> Sunday and today. Just can't can't get my head quite out of the dumps. And I think it's just because you are just such exclaiming. That it's almost like muscles I haven't stretched in a while. It's like when you go shoot hoops and you get a little, little aggressive and you haven't done that in a long time. You're sore the next day, day after. I wasn't used to being that excited. I wasn't used to emoting so hard especially with others around, just screaming. <laughs> anyway, guess what, humans? I'll make it. I'll make it. Do you have a time? You were so excited about something. doesn't have to be sports. And then for a few days after, you just couldn't quite get back to zero. You know, you're a little bit in the, uh, little bit in the red. Listen to line at sydneyhollowshow.com. So we do have a double bird that's been submitted to the listener line. But before we get there, I'd love to take a walk down memory lane back to the days of high school and chat a little detention. Well, Sid, what brought this up? Well, yeah, I don't know. It was just on my mind. I thought, well, that's kind of funny. I forgot about that. And I bet the humans, I bet some of the humans have had a detention experience or two. So at my school, again, I went to kind of a strict school. I went to an all-boys Catholic military day school. Um, nothing to get that excited about. It was just a, you know, just a simple private school in Savannah. But it sounds a lot heavier than it is, uh, at least in my opinion, as someone who went there as an alumnus. Uh, so maybe my detention was a little stricter than, than yours, fellow humans, but maybe not. I mean, teachers hate students, I'm sure, when they're, when they're stuck doing detention. And at my school, we had a disciplinary points system. So you, if you got a detention, if you got a disciplinary point, it was considered a, det a detention. So it's like, Mr. Hollis, that'll be a detention. Well, that would be a disciplinary point. If you got 40 points in a year, you would be expelled. 
I think once you hit something in the 30s, suspensions were uh, were on the table. Like if you hit 30 points, you know, for one reason or another, you would have you would be suspended sometime in there before you got before you got all the way to 40. And we did have Saturday detentions. I never had one. <laughs> I was never part of the breakfast club. It would have been cool if they called it that. Uh, and those were worth five. Those were worth five five disciplinary points if you got a Saturday. And you could get a Saturday for eating in class. Although, the time I got caught eating in class, I just got a regular one. No big deal. As it was, I think I got maybe five to seven points a year. I think that sounds about right. Maybe less as I got older. Um, and sometimes teachers would give you detention in their classrooms and it wouldn't be a, a point. It wouldn't be an official school detention. So that would cut down. So now that you know the detention system at Benedictine, uh, we can proceed. And you know, maybe I didn't have six or seven a year. I mean, maybe it was like four or five. That would have been a lot of detention. Either way, the times I had detention, you know, you're in there with freshmen, sophomores, juniors, seniors. And, you know, the juniors and seniors in there, and even some of the sophomores, they really had it figured out. Like, when I would have a detention, and you'd have to, like, look at the board, you'd get your discipline point, you'd get your attention, you know, your detention, like, you would, you would know you would now have it. But you had to wait for it to be on the board a week or two later to see what day you had it. You'd be in there with all these other dudes. And they were, it seems like every time I had it, some of these dudes were always in there. Like these guys just lived in there. I called them detentioneers in my head, not aloud. And they just lived in there and they would mouth off in there. And I was like, man, these guys are just asking for it. <laughs> um, and once, you know, one, some of the times we just had to copy a word for an hour. It was a, there was a Webster's deck, <laughs> Maybe that wasn't Webster's. There was a dictionary definition of the word quiet and all the various, you know, uh, definitions and uses of the word quiet. And you just had to copy that over and over again for an hour. Uh, and then there was, there was various things like that. And then there was also like a trash pickup, like, oh, go pick up trash. And I remember getting a sign like, you too. You're, you're, you're together. Don't come back until the trash is up to this line. It was a clear trash bag. And they wrote in red ink a line halfway up the bag. I was like, all right, I guess we'll just go walk around campus and pick up trash. Well, wouldn't you know, this dude I was paired with, he had this down. He's like, come with me. I was like, all right, dude. We go out to the parking lot. And we go to like two or three guys. He goes, hey. Give us all your trash. And these are high schoolers that, you know, had been given cars by their parents or whatever. And they were full of trash. And in two or three dudes' cars, we had over the line of trash we needed to collect. <laughs> and it would have taken us easily an hour to walk around campus trying to find that much trash. It was truly incredible. Thank you to one of the detentioners. Now, humans, were, were you ever helped out of a jam? by one of these people that just lived there and, and learned how to uh, how to undermine the system. Also, what was your detention like? Was it a copying words type of thing? Was it a go pick up trash? You know, the military side of my school 
There were detentions called jugs, and jugs stood for justice under God. And that would be if you got a demerit within the military system, which you had to get five to then have a jug. And in four years, humans, I never got a jug. I never had to attend an ROTC detention. But I think that was similar. It was just cleaning, picking up trash, some kind of some kind of labor for the school. There was a, always a room where there was an exercise element, but that may have been years before. And did any of you ever have Saturdays? Did anyone have to show up in school for a Saturday detention? And I can imagine the teachers really hated being there. <laughs> uh, and students probably weren't too happy either. Now, I also wonder this. Having gone to an all-boys school, it was just like, get me out of here. I've already been at school all day. I can only imagine. Maybe I would have had a few more detentions if I was like into some girls in my class or something and showing off more. I probably would have gotten in trouble more. And then there would have been girls in there that I would have wanted to show off for in detention. I can imagine I may have lived there a little more if I'd gone to a co-ed school. As I didn't, detention felt like a prison. Did any of you find romance in detention? One way or another. Let me know. Listener line at sydneyhollishow.com. It seems like the kind of place where if you had the right proctor, you could kind of sit, flirt a bit, throw some paper balls. Uh, but, you know, I guess if it was strict like mine. Well, throwing paper balls would have been what got you in there. And you certainly weren't going to do it again. Not even the detentioners were that crazy. And were any of you uh, the kind of folks that, you know, you had a detention and then... If your parents found out you were going to be in more trouble? That seems more like a middle school thing or an elementary school thing to me. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I didn't experience that myself. And I had a way to get home. I could, I could take a city bus if I wasn't going to be able to be picked up by my ride that day. So it wasn't the end of the world. It did take much longer. But I didn't have to have... Uh, didn't have to rat myself out and then have, you know, some special ride because of my transgressions and punishment. Anyway, I, I guess this is one long way of saying, hey, did any of you guys breakfast club it or not? Did you find love? <laughs> and it's taken me ranting and raving this long to realize I'm just basically asking all the questions from the breakfast club. Did you find romance? Could you horse around? What was it like? Was it strict? Did the teacher hate being there on a Saturday? I promise you guys, I'm not reading the back of a VHS tape right now to, <laughs> to do this, but uh, it does sound like it retroactively. Uh, tune in next week, and I'll talk about what it's like when seven friends get together at a house in Beaufort, South Carolina, uh, after one's funeral. JK, JK. Okay, folks, on to the listener line. That double bird we've all been waiting for. This was sent in by Chris in Guatemala. Chris in Antigua, Guatemala, one of our international listeners. And the subject of the email reads, Double Bird. Amber Brooks, player in the NWSL, National Women's Soccer League, double birded the refs and got suspended. <laughs> Incredible. I mean, 
I don't think I've come across that in sports. Someone birding the refs. Certainly not double birding the refs. Way to go, Amber Brooks. That's a classic, classic double bird. And uh, there was an article uh, in USA Today. Their, um, their soccer section, prosoccerwire.usatoday.com, an article by Jason Anderson. And he's pretty beside himself, too. He's sort of excited about it. And he wrote, she did it with both hands. It was on CBS. The nation was watching. It's the stuff legends are made of. Certainly double bird legends. I mean, <laughs> double birding the refs. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. Now she's in soccer detention. It's all coming full circle today. Folks, October 18th is the earliest you can hear this which means October 26th is around the corner. And that, of course, is the deadline for the Sydney Hollis Show Audio Halloween Costume Contest brought to you by Truck and Son. We've been over this. Pick something you'd like to dress as. Ideally, you know, if I'm going let to you, let you know a little bit about the judging, the judges' table here, ideally a reference. Ideally, a reference that would be sort of along the lines of the humor that we've created here at the show. And yes, I said we. You guys help with that, too. You guys, we're all shaping this thing together. Ideally, some kind of a reference to that. And, you know, just describe it. You don't have to go get in line at Party City. You don't have to find a spirit Halloween. You don't have to order something on Etsy. Plan it out in your mind. Let us know. You don't have to feel awkward leaving your house in that weird in-between stage where you leave your house and you get to the party you're going to and you feel like, oh gosh, everyone's looking at me and maybe I overdid it. You don't have any of that. It's all audio. It's all in our minds. It's all in the hideaway. We are cooking up a prize for you. Uh, I should probably let you know that by the end of this week, huh? We'll see if we can figure that out for you guys. There will be a prize. And there will be a Sid Buck. Again, the Sydney Hollis Show Audio Halloween Costume Contest is brought to you by Truck and Son Odd Jobs. 912-596-7879. That's all over the Savannah area. In the Coastal Empire. 912-596-7879. No job too big or too small. I'll pretty much do anything. Well, folks, a little short one for you. You know, preserving the cords here. <laughs> preserving the cords here. Trying to get my head back into the sunshine. Got some fun stuff planned for you for the end of the week. Peace and love. Peace and love. <laughs>